Today on Traveling, we travel with Max Hartshorn, who is taking us to Portugal. And it's a small country, but Max has been everywhere. And you are traveling with Paul Lasley and Elizabeth Harriman right here on the American Forces Network and at ontravel.com. One of the things that I love about talking to Max Hartshorn is he does really travel the world. And Max, welcome back to Traveling. Great to be back with you, Paul, and with everybody else on the American Forces Radio Network. Well, you know, I got to ask you about Portugal. I have only been there for one day on a cruise ship stop once. I don't think that does Portugal justice. But you started out, uh, you did an amazing tour there, starting uh, in the Azores, if I'm not correct. Is that right? That's right. It made a lot of sense because the Azores are a part of Portugal. They're an independent territory, uh, governed on their own, but still part of Portugal. And we were nice enough to be um, helped out with our airfare by the airline Azores Airlines, which is known as SATA. So they want to stop by and visit. And so I've been to the Azores before. And so this time I wanted to go to a different island. There are nine Azores Islands, and there's three of them always all, all close together. And one of the islands is called Pico, and it's a beautiful island with a big volcano right in the middle. One of the things about Volcano Islands, I always remember Stromboli. Stromboli sits between, uh, uh, in the straits there between uh, Sicily and Italy, And, you know, you go by at night and it glows red at the top, and it is literally a volcano cone with a small village at the bottom. Is the Pico like that? (laughs) That that sounds a little scary. Though, fortunately, um, Pico is not red, and it's not puffing out any gas. Oh, good. Yeah, the last time it, it, it uh, had a major eruption was in the early 1700s. So there's no problem of, of that. But what's very interesting to me about Pico is one of the youngest places on Earth. It's only 300,000 years old, which if you compare it to most of the Earth is, uh, is an infant. Uh, it's because it's created by that volcanic flow. And there's all sorts of neat things about the volcano and about Pico that sort of things that take place. Uh, Some of the vineyards, for instance, they use volcanic rock to make narrow little um, walls. They create things called corrals, which are like 10 feet by 10 feet walls built by hand years ago in order to shelter the vines of the wine crop. And, uh, there's just so many things there about volcano. The whole island, you can't miss this volcano in the middle. But fortunately, there's no smoke and there's no uh, lava emitting from that Mount Pico at this time. That's comforting. And, you know, I'm sure what the, with the walls, what they're doing is probably creating microclimates to help the vines grow better. That's exactly the word they used, microclimate. They said it in Portuguese, but you said it much better. Um, yeah, there's certain parts of Pico on the certain of the coasts which um, have these very interesting – it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site because it's such a unique way to grow wine. They grow it very low so that the salt and the salt air doesn't kill the vines. But the wine is really very tasty. We enjoyed a lot of different types of wine, white and red. And, of course, they have some of their homemade grappa 
and their uh, their homemade hooch that they make, a little higher test. But uh, it was a lot of fun. Grappa is a little higher test. Yes, you're absolutely right. Well, uh, so you went to Pico. Did you travel in any other uh, other islands of the Azores, or did you then go to the mainland? We went to the mainland. We spent a little bit of time in the capital city of Pana Delgado, Delgada, but uh, just, just enough to just walk around and visit the local market. But after that, we were off back again on Azores Airlines over to Lisbon. And Lisbon is really coming into its own. You see more and more articles. I just saw one in Financial Times yesterday about how Lisbon is thriving and tourists are going in there. It's almost as busy as Barcelona, but they're not doing it in the way that so many other people are doing it. They don't care about influencers. They don't care about big advertising. You never see any full-page ads in any of the big glossy travel magazines. just seems like Portugal's Lisbon is just deserves its growth, and it's really earned it by being a, one of the most inexpensive capitals in Europe at this point. Well, I spent uh, actually a day, I think, in Lisbon, if I remember correctly. What I remember are the hills and the streetcars. Oh, yeah. And the streetcars are very popular. And the, and the whole city is built on seven different hills. And as you look up, you can see these beautiful buildings up on the hills. And uh, my favorite part of uh, Lisbon is the river and the, the river Targus where the whole city comes is sort of laying down along the river and there's a wonderful walkway. And the last time we visited Lisbon in 2014, it was markedly different, Paul. You know, people were saying to us again and again how hard it was and how they didn't have any money and how they hadn't gotten paid. And it was a real sad story. But this time, really found that people were saying that things had changed, that the economy's turned around, that the, there's a new government that's putting a lot of money into some uh, different buildings and different tourism initiatives. But there's a much better sense that things are going on a right track in, in Lisbon. So, yeah, and those um, those streetcars, everybody loves taking the, the old-fashioned streetcars. They look like they were built in about 1940. And you can take those up, those winding roads up to that. There's a, a, a fort up on one of the hills that people take those to get up and see. Well, you know, you were mentioning uh, Lisbon and uh, where did you stay and what was the food like? Oh, the food was top notch, but you have to love seafood. I mean, it, it's really all about seafood in, in Lisbon. It's, it's a sea, seafood area. In fact, the whole, the whole country is crazy about seafood. We were told that something like, um, they're the besides Japan, Portugal's right up there with the highest consumers of fish, but only about five out of ten fish are actually still caught off the waters of the Atlantic. And you remember now, if you look at the map, it's not on the Caribbean, it's not on the Mediterranean, it's really only on the Atlantic, even in the Algarve, the bottom of Portugal, you're still facing the Atlantic Ocean. You haven't gone into the Mediterranean yet. So um, we stayed at a, a nice hotel. It was basically just a simple hotel. Um, I, it was, it's called the, um, let me just think now, what was it called? Well, that's a, I assume it was like a three to four star hotel. A, a three star hotel, yeah. you know, very easy to get around. We, we, we weren't in the best, I mean, I would have preferred to be staying right in the old part of the city, but we were staying in a more modern part of, A's, of of Lisbon. But, you know, you can take an Uber and it's so inexpensive. I mean, I jumped into the Uber and it's three to four euros to get anywhere we wanted to go, which is remarkable. 
Well, you know, and you can always check in with GoNomad.com, and all of this information is at GoNomad.com. So uh, for hotels and restaurant tips and and uh, and just in general, the amazing information that you bring back from these trips, I say, is just incredible. You know, I go to a place, and I think I've done a lot, and you go to a place, you come back with like 16 books full. <laughs> Of ideas. You know, uh, Portuguese food, is is it definable as Portuguese food? You're not sort of uh, thinking it's Spanish or something else? Well, you know, the Spanish um, tapas are very famous. And in Portugal, they have pinchos and things that they call, not pinchos, but that's the Basque word. But there's another word which is slipping my mind now, but it's very much like tapas, you know, that small plates that you get in Spain. But you don't have the late, late eating. I mean, people eat at maybe 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock versus in, in Spain when they're having their first meal at 1030 or 11. Um, I think the other the hallmark of the food that we have really enjoyed was the simplicity of it. Um, not a lot of heavy sauces. Not a lot of um, fancy uh, cuisine involving um, steam and uh, vapor. <laughs> a little more straightforward stuff. We, we visited a – we actually did go to one of the top chefs in Lisbon's restaurant. His name is um, Alaves, Jose Alaves, and he has 10 restaurants. He's a Michelin star guy, and he's quite an impressive impressive chef we went to a, one of his his uh, outposts he's got a neat place called the barrio and in the barrio there's three or four restaurants in this one little area but he's mostly known for his 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 two michelin star restaurant but again we love the, the fresh fish they had a mackerel they, they, they had fresh mackerel in a cone we enjoyed it you know just the simple food the sardines you know fr uh, grilled sardines are one of my favorite oh. things and you, you can get, only get them in Europe. You know, I find that you can't find a grilled sardine in the United States for anything. I know, which is amazing because sardines are very common. They, I'm sure they have them in California, but you never see them. But you go to a little roadside place in, in Portugal, there'll be a guy in front of a, a grill grilling up these little sardines. And, you know, um, they also have other kinds of fish. And the fish market was just amazing, the, the bounty of fish that they have and the different types of crustaceans, um, obviously no lobster, but a lots of different types of clams and mussels and, and octopus and those type of things that are just the most pure seafood. I'm very ambivalent about eating octopus since I saw an octopus in the Honolulu Aquarium that is so smart, well, smarter than I am, and certainly much more accomplished. So now I'm thinking, hmm, I don't know that I want to necessarily eat something that's smarter than I am. But nevertheless, <laughs> uh, I digress there for a minute, Max. And we're talking with Max Hartshorn, editor of GoNomad.com, with one of his reports here on traveling. And you are traveling with Paul Leslie and Elizabeth Harriman right here on the American Forces Network and at OnTravel.com. Max, you spent some time in Lisbon, obviously, but then you got out of Lisbon and saw some more of Portugal. Yeah, you know, it was a great um, combination of things. We got a chance to do the urban thing and walk around the city, the bustling city by the river. And then the next day we went, uh, we were pleased to work out a good uh, thing with Auto Europe, the great company for car rentals. Auto Europe set us up with a, a wonderful diesel 
car and we drove down the, the very clean and well-built A2 motorway. And it's only three hours all the way down to the Algarve. Now, the Algarve is the bottom province of, uh, of Portugal. And, and probably some people would say the most beautiful, certainly the most impressive beaches we've ever. I mean, I couldn't believe the beaches, just these these giant stone rock edifices, you know, these craggy cliffs and oh. just amazing. And then the sunlight, you know, it's very sunny. I mean, half the people there are from England. That's the only thing. It's quite British and uh, lots of other tourists. But, you know, really predominantly, you'll find um, a lot of folks from Great Britain love Portugal and love that part of that world. But there's a, a number of different places that you could stay. One of my friends from Go Nomad was smart enough to do an Airbnb in the little city of Faro is on the coast um we we stayed at a a large resort called the tivoli carvao resort which is on the edge of a cliff basically just perched on the edge of a cliff and that's one way to go it's a really nice four star four five star property with beautiful views of the ocean and um a, a amazing sky top bar we look out over this dramatic rock and ocean and uh, no it's it's like the ocean is so prevalent is everywhere so an ocean view isn't an expensive thing in portugal um one of the cities we went to was a little actually a little village called salema i must say i i got tipped off to salema by one of my travel writer friends and i'd have to say if you're planning a trip to portugal put in a night or two in salema the small seaside ocean uh town on the on the on the west coast well, you know, you mentioned that, and you also mentioned Fado. Now, was this a food tour called Fado, or is this Fado the musical style? Um, actually, it's Faro. Fado oh. is. Oh, Faro. You, you know, you can't, Fado, you can't trust Max. You cannot trust an editor with a typo. Yeah, this well, is serious business. <laughs> it's all right, Faro. Right? Yeah, you got that right. That's the the Fado is the sad Fado is the sad music of Portugal, which laments the loss of the empire. And now all we have is our little country. Where we used to have uh, Brazil and Mozambique and all the other places like Angola, but now we're down to just Portugal. But Faro is a wonderful small city. I'd say it's not a large city. Uh, you know, probably a hundred of two hundred thousand or so in the southern part of Portugal, and that's where we did a food tour. We had a wonderful thing. We looked up a company called Eating Algarve, and I highly recommend <laughs> this food tour. And the Eating Algarve just takes you on a fisherman's food tour and you start out in the market which is we always love the market the market is just a place where everything starts in every meal in portugal at the market you see these outrageous snow crabs and clams and fish that they're looking at and then you visit um various little restaurants that we wouldn't have never seen you know i, I think i would always recommend that listeners um, if you have an opportunity to, to do a food tour, and it's let's say a $49 food tour, you're going to eat better than if you had ate on your own. And you're going to go to restaurants like one we went to, this little tucked away restaurant in Faro where police and firemen and local people go. Oh, for the their best kind. Yeah, the best kind, the kind of local place that wouldn't be on a tourist map, but just wonderful food. We got a chance to visit the um, a little another little seaside cafe, which was actually part of the association of the uh, I think it was the Association of Crustacean Fishermen. So the people Good that fish, right? so 
So you're really in good hands when you're with those people and they know how to eat. I can imagine. You know, I digress for a moment. There was a there's a restaurant in downtown Los Angeles called Nick's and I think it used to open. I'm not sure. I haven't been there for a few years since we moved uh, outside the city. But uh, Nick's was a hangout for the entire L.A. Police Department. It opened at, I think, three in the morning. And I will make a very long story very short by saying that one morning it was held up when probably half the police force was in there. And who they all ducked behind the counter and came up armed. And uh, <laughs> this guy didn't stand a chance. They usually get the dumb robbers. But at any rate, I've always felt slightly safer in restaurants where there are a lot of cops or firemen. So I could see. But also, you know, they know the best places to eat. And that's one thing that I always look for when we're traveling. I know Elizabeth does as well. So we look for places that really look like the only people eating there are locals. And exactly. I think yeah. you do that as well. Now, I got to ask you about the food tour because I am really convinced that one of the best things any of us can do when traveling is to get signed up with a good, well, you know, well popular food tour because these people are amazing and they take you to places not only are you well fed but you get a sense of the culture and the local community in a way that you never do going around and looking at the cathedral yeah i would have to agree with you paul i i did this in san francisco we did a food tour in chinatown in san francisco and i never i would have never been able to find any of those places that we went for dim sum and the different grocery stores we went to but like for i was just thinking more about this in faro um that the, the food tour we, you know, we went to a bar called the Columbus Cafe, and there they have um, some of these championship bartenders. Some of the best bartenders in Portugal are the owners of this Columbus Cafe, which is just a, a point on the map. Columbus stopped in Faro on his way to the New World, so they call it the Columbus Cafe. But um, they just pick things that you wouldn't normally go to, and they also sprinkle a lot of information about history and politics and culture and what's the zeitgeist you know these are local guys they're bright young guys who are taking you out and they're usually they know what they're doing and they really want to share it with you and we also got a chance to meet some young ladies who were from great britain who were visiting there so that gave another point of view you know another point of view the gentleman who was on the tour was a guy that actually lived in another town in the Algarve. So he was taking the food tour just to kind of get familiar with his own his own adopted country. Um, yeah, and you can ask him all the questions. You can ask him how much things cost. But again, I got to say, if, if there's a budget of mine and you really want to go to a place where you can afford things, I mean, just to, I'll rattle off a few things, Paul, just so you can give an example. Yeah, please. Uh, a coffee. If you want to get an espresso coffee, it's probably 60 or 70 cents. In, wow. In, Portugal. If you want to get a pack of cigarettes, it's three thirty euro, three dollar thirty euro. I mean, that's nothing. Cigarettes cost ten, fifteen dollars a pack in the United States. Um, meals. I mean, a beautiful, sumptuous meal from top to bottom was fifty euros for two of us with wine and coffee and dessert and fish and the whole thing. Um, bread. It, the country is filled with bread. There's more bread. If you're a, a gluten-free person, you don't want to go to Portugal because everybody <laughs> eats bread all the time. And the bread is gorgeous under a euro or two euros. A good bottle of wine, three euros. 
you know, things just aren't that expensive. And the little sad part of it, though, I, I, I asked a guy when we were there, I, you know, boy, I said, this seems really inexpensive. And he said to me, well, it's not inexpensive for me. And that's oh, what you're realizing. Yes. It's because they don't make much money. The minimum wage in Portugal is 500 euro a month. And that's a tough one. You know, you look over to Spain, the minimum wage in Spain is a thousand euro. So it's a real tough situation for some of these folks. They're living on very little money. And so everything has to be inexpensive. It's a double edged sword for us travelers. It's a bonus and a bonanza. And should be, we should all go there to help support their economy. Well, I think you're right, too. And I've heard that from uh, other Europeans that uh, a lot of them are going to Portugal because it's one of the most affordable places in Europe. And uh, I think that's I think that's very, very good, because as long as the money is going into the local economy, that helps. There's no question about it. I think what I always am concerned about is some of these um, developing countries where there are big Western resorts. I wonder if the money ever goes into the local economy or just gets sucked out and shipped to some other country. No, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of homegrown businesses in Portugal, a lot of even small chains um, that are that are run by locals. Um, of course, these tours, if you go to a tour and do a tour like a food tour that we did again, it's eating Algarve was the name of the tour, Eating Algar Fisherman's Food Tour. Um, the other thing we did, which is really fun, we went out for a fishing trip. We took a, a trip out on a small boat, and we fished the reef for some of these small fish that they enjoy. And that's, again, just I love getting out into doing things like that that take you right into contact with local people and keep you busy. And, you know, we didn't catch big fish, but it was a lot of fun just being out there in, in the water and seeing uh, Faro and seeing that beautiful coastline from from a boat. Well, fish if, if you caught fish like I catch fish, we'd have uh, grilled anchovies for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have been out with very experienced fishermen and I catch nothing. <laughs> They're bringing in salmon, you know, by the ton. Uh, you know, one of the things that I really want to commend you for is your sense of sensitivity when you travel. I mean, a sense of being aware of what people make uh, and what uh, the local living standards are and that, because it's so important in today's world that we're all sensitive to the local cultures. And it, it's not enough to just you know, run roughshod over them and say, gee, I'm an American or I'm a Brit or I'm an Italian or whatever. It's it's worthwhile to just be a little humble and absorb the local culture. And what I, Elizabeth and I have found is if you do that, and I think you found this out too, you get so much more back from the locals. They'll take you to their favorite restaurant or tell you about a special view or something like that. So true. Yeah. And, you know, Portuguese language is a tough language, but the average person speaks English. And really, more than in other countries, I really thought that it, I was pretty impressed with how many people don't expect you to learn that very difficult language, Portuguese, with the accents and all the shush, you know, it's very difficult to understand the language. But there was a real majority of people that we ran into everywhere that were no problem. English was not a problem. They weren't offended that we didn't speak Portuguese. We did, of course, learn, you know, Obrigado and uh, and and bom dia, but that was about all we needed to have. <laughs> well, I agree with you. Portuguese is. I try and always lose learn a few words of whatever language I, you know that I'm in, and even in China. But you know, it is a tough language. There is no question about that. I suppose oh, that's why Portuguese 
uh, has sort of remained at a, you know, its own niche in the world. Uh, one of the great uh, countries, and uh, think about Prince Henry the Navigator and things like that. Uh, Portugal is a great vacation spot, and uh, Go Nomad and uh, uh, has got lots of information about it and uh, Max's recent uh uh, trip exploring it. Thank you very much, Max, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Max Hartshorn, of course, is the editor of GoNomad.com. Max, thanks again. Thank you, Paul. Good to be with you again. And you have been traveling with Paul Leslie and Elizabeth Harriman right here on the American Forces Network and at OwnTravel.com. I'm Paul Leslie. As always, travel safe. <music>